God will take the worst and use it for my best. He will use the very worst that comes into your life. And he has this amazing power to twist it around and begin to make it as like a chisel on a piece of marble to make something beautiful. And that beautiful person is you from the inside out. You are listening to CCF Runthrough, timeless truths for today's life in just 30 minutes. If you want to hear more or know more about our ministry, please visit ccf.org.ph. Enjoy listening. In the early church, Jesus has come. He's been resurrected. The church is growing in all these houses. It's still primarily in, in Jerusalem. Thousands, then tens of thousands of people. And then by Acts chapter 8, it's about 15 years after Jesus is resurrected. It's about AD 46, 47, right in there, and a persecution happens. Now, you need to understand, if you are a follower of Jesus and you're in a Jewish household and community, and you say, I believe Jesus is the Messiah, many families were, then you're, you're out of the family. We consider you dead. And so now there's persecution, and notice how James opens up. He says, James, a bondservant of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, to who? The 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. In other words, there's economic problems, there's family problems, their geography, their jobs. It's like COVID happened. It's like their world got turned upside down. It's like they didn't know what to do. Family systems were broken apart. They're desperate, they're hurting. There's emotional issues, there's financial issues, there's family issues. And I'm sure they're saying, Jesus, we're following you, we love you. We're sharing our faith with others. Where are you? And so the leader, the pastor, the elder of the Jerusalem church writes a letter. And most theologians believe it's the very first letter of the New Testament. If you don't read ahead, here's what I would expect James to say, and sort of in my vernacular. Wow, it's really tough what's happened, and I'm really sorry. I hope everything's okay. You know, try and keep your chin up. Um, hang in there, gang. Um, try and keep loving Jesus. I, I hope someday, someway, things are going to be okay. I'm really sorry. But that's not what he says. He says to this group of people, listen very carefully, who are dealing with that thing I ask you to bring to your mind, the broken relationship, the kid that doesn't walk with God anymore, the betrayal, the problem in your marriage, the financial pressure that you have, and it was into that, he said, consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters. Consider it all joy, knowing the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let or allow endurance to have its perfecting result that you might be perfect or mature, not lacking in anything. And I don't know about you, but uh, when I went through cancer with my wife, when I went through the rebellion of one of my sons, when I went through a season many years ago where I was betrayed in a ministry and they took hundreds of thousands of dollars and I was left with nothing wondering, God, where are you? 
it was pretty hard to consider it all joy. Does that make sense to you? He's going to teach us how not to be a victim. He's going to give us the art of survival. And the A in art stands for an attitude. Let's look at it together. There's three questions that you have to ask and answer when you bring that thing to your mind that is so challenging and so difficult and maybe you can't understand and you wish God would take away. Instead of asking why, 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 here's question number one. What can I control when my world falls apart? See, so often we focus on what we can't control. Will that person come back to me? Uh, will, will my boss change? Is the economy going to change? Are things going to change? And you have no control. There's one thing you control, and that's my attitude. That word consider means to evaluate, to calculate. It's an accounting term. It's not emotional. This isn't like, oh, consider it all joy. Yay, God, it's just really wonderful that my life's falling apart. I don't have any money. My family's in... No, no, no. This is a calculated, measured looking at that situation, and you step back and you say, in light of who God is, in light of the world, in light of the reality of heaven, in light of that God knows all things, is all wise, all powerful, and for reasons I don't understand, he is either allowed or decreed, or I'm even a part of the mess, but this is where I'm at, and I'm going to step back and consider, in light of all that, I'm going to calculate this as pure or unadulterated joy. It's an attitude. The word is literally unmixed joy, is to look at the whole situation, the whole experience by faith as coming from God. He says, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. This isn't a test from Satan. This word's only used twice in the New Testament. The other place it's, it's used is in uh, Luke 10:30, where if you remember uh, the story of the Samaritan, and it says he was surrounded or he fell among the robbers. The trial he's talking about here are external circumstances that come into your life that you can't control, but it is really messing with you, and you don't know what to do. And notice this is a command. Consider it all joy. And I don't know about you, but that's very, very hard. Uh, I've read a number of books. I love to read biographies. And biographies are stories, at least to me, of people who make it through really challenging times. And one of the ones that I love is uh, by a man named Viktor Frankl. He was in uh, the concentration camps in Nazi Germany. And most people died. And it was horrendous beyond anything we can imagine. He later became a very famous uh, psychiatrist, psychologist, and he, they were, he was asked, how did you make it through and what was the key? And I'll never forget, I actually wrote this down. Speaking from his experience as the prisoner in Nazi concentration camps, he said, everything can be taken from a man or a woman, but one thing, the last human freedom to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. See, this isn't about emotions. This is about a choice that's based on who God is, 
what he allows and what he's going to do through it all. I lived across the street many years ago from a, a, a man who was a master cabinet maker. Everybody wanted his stuff. And he made these beautiful, beautiful cabinets for very high-end luxury homes. So he had a very, very good job. And um, on one occasion, uh, someone was scraping up the sawdust and he left things out and he had a warehouse full of all the cabinets to put into these homes that they were going to be put in in the next day or two. And the, the worker tripped and there was a, some sort of thing that had a spark. It hit the sawdust and the thing went up in flames in a matter of minutes. He lost everything he had. Everything was gone. I remember seeing him out in the front yard, literally wailing and weeping out loud. And then he began to walk around. I said, Gary, what happened? What's going on? And he began to tell me all the things that have happened. He lost everything in a fire. And I mean, he, I, he, we had a, he had a big window in his house and he had a chair. And from our kitchen window, you could see across the street, just a little housing development. And, and you would just see him like this out the window. He got clinically depressed. He got paralyzed. He was just, it was, his life was over. Little by little by little, he realized he can't be there forever. And um, he was one of those people who, um, can we call it a casual Christian? He intellectually believed in Jesus. Uh, when things got really hard, he prayed more. Uh, wasn't necessarily a regular churchgoer, but as I talked with him across the street, he knew I was a pastor and he would talk about Jesus. And I'm not sure where he was really at early. And little by little, he was a great entrepreneur. So about three years later, he rebuilt his company. Big money's coming in again. He's putting cabinets in these great houses. I mean, this guy's really got it going. And this is an absolute true story. They think it was probably arson. Someone burned the warehouse again, three years later, with everything that he owned. Well, in that three years, we had a number of conversations, and he went from being a casual, you know, I believe in Jesus, and I was baptized, and I prayed, to someone who got into the Bible, to someone that difficulty caused him to lean in and begin to follow Christ. And the fire came, and I'll never forget, he told me later, he said, you know, the first thing I did is I walked out and my little grandson was in the front yard with a hula hoop. He was about three years old, cute little kid. And he said, I looked at that kid and I picked him up. And I said, praise God, I've got a family. He said, then I said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. And he said, I started walking around the block, singing songs to the Lord. Lord, I don't know why. Lord, I don't understand. But you give, you take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He said, I have a family, I have a beautiful grandson, it's wood, it's money, it comes and it goes. Where are you? Where are you? Are you a victim? Or you are someone who's looking at this through the lens of eternity? Instead of asking why, 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 you ask what can I control? And the first thing is your attitude. And then the attitude is, Lord, what do you want to do in me? What's, what's the bigger picture? 
You, you, you know I long for my marriage to come back together. You, you know that the separation is killing me. You know how hard it is, you know, after COVID and the financial issues that we have. Lord, you, you, you know this pain that I have. God, you know my concern for one of my kids. And I could whine and complain, but I want to consider it all joy. So I'm going to ask this question. What do you want to do in me? And as I'm learning that, I want you to know that I'm going to willfully thank you and praise you by faith because you have either decreed this for my good or you have allowed it or it might be the consequence of a mistake or my sin or spiritual opposition or it might even be the hands of a loving father and sort of the velvet vice of his grace putting some pressure on my life to help me to depend and grow. You might be preparing me for something bigger than I could ever imagine. I don't know what it is. I ask you to show me, but whether you do or not, I am going to make a willful attitude. I will choose joy. I will choose to thank. I will choose to rejoice. An all-knowing, all-powerful, all-wise God, for reasons I don't know, has either allowed this or decreed this for what? For my good. For my good. Someone has rightfully observed that love was the message of the early church, but their calling card was joy. Do you realize the early church, no building, no money, persecuted, they're viewed as a cult, they're not fully Jewish, they don't worship Caesar. Uh, you can read some of the early documents and the, the view of Christians were a bunch of weird people that hide in caves, drink blood, and kiss one another when they see each other and give their money to each other like idiots. I mean, we look back and go, oh, they are wonderful and they are great. I'm telling you, it was their joy in the midst of that. It was, it was them that when in the Roman world, if, if you had a baby, it was, had a very specific name of the rule of the father in a family. If, if there was a child born and it was a girl and he wanted the boy, Take it to the dump. If it had maybe a little cleft palate, maybe anything wrong with it, they would just take their babies and it was absolutely legal. Take it to the dump. And the Christian women would wait by the dump and they would pick up the children and they would love them and they would raise them. You talk about pandemics. Uh, one sociologist who, I don't know that he's a man of faith, but he's a very brilliant sociologist, wrote a book about the triumph of Christianity. And he tried to explain how in the world can you start with Jesus and 12 and then maybe 120 people and a pretty crazy story about resurrection and coming back from the dead. How in the world does that little group in this one little area of Israel by 313 A.D., account for, of the 60 million in the Roman Empire, 33 million, by his best count, were followers of Jesus. And he doesn't probably believe in the Holy Spirit or how God works. His explanation is there were three major pandemics. Pandemics that just, I mean, you know, we forget, like polio, some things that we can just, we don't even think about anymore. A pandemic would come 
hundreds of thousands of people would all die in a city. The wealthy people would go to the mountains, and the only people that would stay were followers of Jesus. When they died taking care of other people, they were actually buried as martyrs. And he said in these three pandemics, in these huge metropolitan areas, the only people when everything returned was you were either a follower of Jesus who happened to survive, or you were loved by a follower of Jesus who brought you back to health, and then people came back, and guess what? Being a follower of Jesus made a lot of sense. Through what? Through suffering. Through difficulty. They considered it all joy when various trials came upon them. And then knowing, there's two words in the New Testament for knowing. One is a matter of fact word. It's about objective knowledge. Two plus two is four, but that's not this word. There's another word in the New Testament for knowing that's knowing by experience, gnosko. That's this word. They considered it all joy. And James, after 15 years of walking with the Lord and the Lord being ascending, you know what he's saying? We've all experienced, we know. We can consider our joy because it brings about endurance. And we've all experienced what happens in endurance. It changes our lives. Question number one, what can I control? I have 100% control of my attitude every single day, and so do you. And the second question is, what must I do to make it through today? And the answer is a difficult one. It's endure. It's persevere. I want you to bring back to your mind that challenge, that difficulty, right? Have you got it? You know that, why am I not married yet? Right? Oh, you, you laugh? I know some single people that really love God, really walk with God, really prayed, and why? I don't get it. I don't understand. Why am I not promoted yet? Why hasn't God healed me? And you choose joy. You choose joy. You choose to give thanks. You choose to worship. You choose to trust. But how you do it is you persevere, you hang tough, you don't give up, and you don't give in. Why? Knowing by experience, that's perspective, the testing of your faith is going to produce endurance, and this endurance is going to be how God changes your life to make you more and more like Christ. The word testing here means to approve, means to purify. You do realize that God brings tests in our life? It's very interesting. The psalmist was talking about Joseph. It says, until the Lord's word, literally, the vision he gave Joseph, until the vision God gave Joseph came about, the Lord tested him. Guess what? Here's what I love about God's test. He wants everyone to get an A. He doesn't want anyone to fail. But what do you learn? A test helps you grow. And so he's going to really use Joseph. So here's a test. Hey, Joseph, how do you do it when your family betrays you? And the Lord was with him. Joseph, how do you do it when you're falsely accused? Bitterness, resentment, the Lord was with him. Joseph, what do you do when people forget the promises they make to you? Remember the cupbearer when he got back with Pharaoh? And by the time Joseph is at the end of his life, his brothers are fearful, his father has died, and they think for sure that now Joseph is going to kill him. And I don't have this for sure because I wasn't there. 
But I think he smiled. I think he smiled at his brothers and shook his head and thought, you guys still don't get it, do you? You meant this for evil, but God meant this for good, to bring about this present result, to preserve many people alive. And he didn't just preserve many Jews alive or Israel's nation, it was all of Egypt. And God, I think, was having a First Peter chapter 5 journey where he suffered and he was tested and he was perfected and he was established. And so when he got all that power, he wasn't corrupt. When he got all that power, he used it to serve. And when he got all that power, he used it not to pay his brothers back, but to forgive. It sounds a lot like Jesus, doesn't it? See, I think Joseph on the journey... He wouldn't use these words, considered it all joy, a choice, not a feeling. I think he had a good attitude, and then I think he endured. The word endurance is, a, is an interesting one. All my, all my boys, I have three boys and, and a girl, and probably because my dad was an athlete and sports was really big with me, uh, we, you, we were either shooting basketballs, lifting weights, or doing something athletic. And uh, when my, my boys uh, were, they were just going to go, they were like fifth or sixth grade, and they were going to go into junior high. And I remember going into junior high, and I, I know it's probably hard to tell. This is a very loose shirt. Underneath it, I'm super muscular and just absolutely ripped. Uh, I have an eight-pack. I mean, I, I'm, it's, pe people are intimidated when I take my shirt off. If, if you believed any of that, you, you know, right? But what I remember is if you think I'm skinny now, you should have seen me when I was growing up. I was really, really short and really, really skinny. And I remember going into junior high and getting bullied. And, and my boys, uh, they weren't very athletic early. And I thought, they're going to get killed in junior high. And so... Uh, this is not all good, believe me. Don't, don't, don't. This is one of those, don't try this at home. Or, and so I decided I'm going to help them. And so their names are Jason and Eric. And so I said, okay, we're going to get up at, you know, a half hour early. And before you go to school, we're going to do push ups and sit ups. I'm going to help you guys get strong because next year you'll really think, ah, oh, dad, I don't want to do it. Okay, Jason, you go first. How many can you do? Okay. <clears throat> Okay, one and a half, we got some work to do. Now, he was bigger, a little chunky back then. Uh, 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 but Eric was really skinny. One, two, three, four, five. And I thought to myself, yay, 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 we're, we're in, They're in really, really big trouble. So every morning, push-ups, and then I would hold their feet, sit-ups, push-ups, sit-ups, push-ups, sit-ups. Then it was 25, then it was 50. And guess what? They hated it. You ready? They hated it. They hated it so much, but then something happened. I still remember Jason going, looking in the mirror going, wow. It's not like this, it was bigger. Wow. And then pretty soon, hey dad, do you think we could get some weights? So we got a bench press and now they're bench pressing. And, and all of a sudden, they, they both got strong. And they went into junior high and then they kept lifting and they got very strong and very athletic. Do you know how muscles grow? Now, some of you are fitness and trainers, and you do, and my background and some of my 
undergraduate work was about biomechanics and kinesiology. And the word here is hupomeno. Hupo is to be under, meno is stress or pressure. There's actually people who pay to go to places to hupomeno, 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 hupomeno. And you know what happens? The reason you do three sets and the reason you get someone to spot you on the third or the fourth set because you're shaking is what's happening. Your muscle fibers are being torn. They're slightly being torn. And the reason you don't do the same exercises two days in a row, because you don't want to tear them too much. But what happens is you, you do upper body one day, you do legs next day, and it's hupomeno, and, and you get where it hurts, really hurts, and you tear those fibers, and then you rest. And then guess what happens? As they tear, then they fill in. And when they fill in, guess what it is? They're bigger. They're stronger. That thing that you want God to take away may be his greatest gift to you you'll ever get in your life because he's trying to make you strong. He's trying to give you hupomeno. Personally, I don't like to go to the gym. Why do we have small groups here? Why do we do life together? Because the fact of the matter, every time I've tried to really get back in shape and do it by myself, I usually quit. But when I do it with another person or two, and the three of us meet early in the morning, and then it's like, oh, I'm done. Three sets is enough. Get back here, Ingram. We're doing four today. I don't want to do it. Sit down, Ingram. All right. And you do that fourth set. And then in about three months, you say, hey, I'm glad I did it. Here's what I want you to get. A is for an attitude. Consider it all joy. The reason why, it produces endurance, and endurance has its perfecting result. The word is teleos. In other words, we get our word telescope, like it's seeing something out there. The word actually means something fulfilling its ultimate design. God's ultimate design for you, his ultimate design for me, unlike all the commercials, is not just to make us happy. I think he likes it when we're happy because he's our father. But his ultimate design is to make us like Jesus is to make us holy. If you focus on becoming holy, you will end up happy and joyful. If you focus on being happy, you might just end up miserable. Because no amount of the next thing or the next accomplishment or the next thing you can buy or the next relationship can ever fulfill. If you've ever bought a new bike, if you've ever had a chance to buy a new car, if you buy a new purse, you know, three days later it's used. That new car smell goes away. That purse has some scuffs on it. And so God says, don't give up. Don't give in. Attitude, consider it joy. Action, how do I make it through today? Endure. And by the way, don't project. I can't do this next week. Of course you can't. There's no grace in next week. There's only grace for right now. I'll trust God now. Third question, what hope do I have for tomorrow? This is the great, great news. God will take the worst and use it for my best. God will take that thing that you is so hard and he will use it for your best. Let perseverance or allow or cooperate with God's work so that you become perfect, ripe, full grown. That word teleos, 
He can finish his work. And not only will you have that design, but you'll be perfect and complete. The word means to be well-rounded and completely developed. There's nothing lacking. God's big agenda in the challenges in your life and my life is for our good. If you go through, you can go through Moses, Joseph, Daniel, Jesus, apostles, church history, godly people that you know, in my case, someone I married. He will use the very worst that comes into your life. And he has this amazing power to twist it around and begin to make it as like a chisel on a piece of marble to make something beautiful. And that beautiful person is you from the inside out. And so as a follower of Jesus, the A for art is an attitude. And I don't know about you, but I have to work on that attitude all the time. As we close, let me give you just four or five things that God uses to give you a positive picture. And then here's my challenge. I want to encourage you to memorize verses two through four. It's not very long. And I want you to write it on a card, put it on your phone, but preferably on a card. And then I want you to stick it on a mirror in the bathroom. And then I want you to stick it in your car or your bicycle or whatever you see every day or in your Bible. And then every moment that you start to whine, you start to complain, by the way, internally, and you say, why me? And I'm a victim. I want you to stop Say, get behind me, Satan. I'm going to consider it all joy. I'm going to walk around the block. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gives, the Lord takes it away. God is for me. God is powerful. God is all wise. In his time, he will change this. Or in his time, he'll give me all that I need to go through this. Sometimes God delivers us miraculously out of things. More often, he delivers us through things. And sometimes he delivers us unto himself. Because precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of his godly ones. This eternal perspective allows you to consider it all joy, knowing this testing of your faith will produce this endurance and this strength that will allow you to face everything better and better. But it's hard. And that's why we need one another. And that's why you can't go through life alone. And that's why you need the truth of his word and why you need to be in a group of other people so that when you're beginning to struggle, they can lift you up. And when they're beginning to struggle, you can lift them up. This is the first message in this little booklet. And they're going to put up a, a little CR code. Uh, it's on video. And if you take a picture of this little code, message two and three, you can get uh, without a cost. And I, I just want to let you know, the kind of Christians that change the world are the kind of Christians that not phony, not praise the Lord, not inauthentic, but it's people in the midst of their deepest pain. They walk with God in the integrity of their heart and they choose an attitude. And in the next message, it answers the big question. Yeah, I want to have a good attitude, but I don't know what to do. Should I get another job? My, my, my mate is now living with someone else. Should we stay separated? Is, 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 should I close this business? You know, there's no verses on those. The next message will be an R for a resource. There is a resource that God will give you, and he will show you exactly what to do 
under one condition. And that one condition is what you'll get in part two or if you get this little book. I'm going to ask you to bow your head as we close. And I'm going to ask you to bring to your mind that thing, that person, that struggle, the thing you wish the Lord would take away. And then privately, I would like you to say from the heart, Lord Jesus, I thank you for allowing this to come into my life. Not because I like it, but because you promised that you will use it for my good. Lord Jesus, left to myself, this will crush me. I need you. I need your power. I need your people. I need your word. And so I ask you for the grace to not give up, to not give in. I ask you to give me eyes to see others who are hurting even more than me. That instead of focusing on myself, I could start to help them and take you at your promise as I give my love, as I give my time, as I give my resources to others who are hurting even more than me. In your great kindness, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, it'll come back into my lap. And if you're visiting CCF today and maybe came with a friend and you're thinking, I, I'm not sure I've heard about this Jesus like this, but I would like him to be my savior. You know, he invites you right now, right where you're at, sitting where you're at. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock, and he's knocking at your heart. If anyone would open the door, I'll come in. He'll actually come in and live with you and dine with you and do life with you. The Bible promises that whoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. And as many as would open the door of their heart and put your trust in him, as many as would receive him, to them he actually gives the authority to become the children of God. If you've never put your faith in Jesus, and if you're not sure what that's all about, ask the person that you came with or ask one of the people that look like they work here. God loves you. He wants to forgive you of your sin, allow your life to be turned around, and give you hope. And so, Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We consider all that we're in right now by a choice, joy. And all God's people said, amen. amen.